This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically. Before I introduce this week's episode, I want to thank those of you listening who are Headstuff Plus members. Those of you who are in the community, one of the gang, hanging out with me for that bonus material once a month and getting access to extra episodes. I really appreciate the support. And for anyone else who thinks that they might or can become a Headstuff member to support the podcast, please go to headstuffpodcasts.com. Today, I have a really exciting episode for you. It's kind of a different one. First time I've had two people in studio and this is one suggested by listeners. It is about jury duty. Welcome to the studio, Sarah and Richie. Thank you for joining me in studio. This, I think this is my first time having two people in studio at once um, for the podcast, but I thought it would be uh, a good idea to get both sides of the story. So today we are doing an episode on jury duty. What is involved? How does it work? And uh, which of you? I have I have Sarah, who is a barrister, and Richie, who has been uh, selected uh, as a juror. I've never been asked. Um, I would love to be part of it. I often wonder as well, though, are there... What are the types of jobs that you can get out of it? Good question. And like that, I was asked and had to decline. And I wish I had. So I was a student at the time and it would have been my last chance because once you do get a law degree and you're practicing, you're gone. So simply speaking, anyone who has some kind of connection with the legal process or the system can't be on the jury. So once you're a practicing solicitor or barrister, you're gone. Or somebody involved in the justice side of things, that would be off. There's other ones like, um, there's a list under the Juries Act uh, 76 as to, so certain people who are super important, uh, like the president and politicians, so by virtue, their time is better spent in Dol Aaron than right, in the jury. Okay. So some categories of people like that, someone who's connected to it, or if you are, and again, they're all set out there who can and can't do it. It's not actually that long a list of people. People think, oh, I can get away with it, my doctor writing me a note or whatever. And judges have the power to say, oh, you are too important or you are needed. You're a doctor. You, you have to be in hospitals. You can't do this. But it's a finite, really, list of people who, as I said, are too connected, would, would have too much of an inside scoop or people who, by virtue of their jobs and the importance of their jobs, mean their time is better spent not in the jury box. Right, okay. Because I know a lot of people who look for ways out of it. I don't understand why because I think it'll be pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, okay, so... Where should we start? What's the? I think the best place to start is what is a jury? Mm. What course do they sit on? And then you can tell us, Richie, your experience of. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, the bit, maybe a bit of scene setting might be required because is what it I, like it is on TV? Well, <laughs> do you know what's happening? I was thinking as I was coming in, I was reminded of I used to lecture in DIT and I taught first years, and I remember I just had a flashback because I was coming for them DIT today. Um, this day one, the first year, this guy came up to me and was like, "Miss, is it like suits?" And I looked him in the eye and I said, it, it is exactly like suits. I like, no. Um, but then the reason stood out to me is because the following night, I used to teach at nighttime. And the following night, the old, nighttime classes are usually an older cohort of students. So this guy, the second night, uh, the guy comes up to me and he's like, can I, can I just ask you, is it like the BBC dramas? Like, is it like silk? And I just thought the contrast of younger people go, is it like suits? And the other guy was like, is it like the BBC? And I told him it is exactly like that. Uh, no, it, it is not. It is not as sexy or is exciting. Um, are we allowed to say sexy? Say whatever you want. <laughs> but I too was sold a lie. I rocked up thinking this is great. I, no, it is quite slow and tedious and boring and yeah. And so I think this episode is a great one 
because everyone has a perception and usually TV led, American TV drama led or the BBC piece. And yeah, it is, it's just a very different thing. They are fundamentally entertainment pieces. Yes, okay. uh, so, so that of itself is going to be not that present. And yeah, like to put it in context, I spent the morning reading uh, plastics, the ISO standards for plastics that can be used in medical devices. Like that's the reality, the tedious, boring reality of, of law and litigation. It's not the sexy, exciting piece. So no, it's not but like suits. In, like in physical terms. Mm. Is it, you know, there's a judge, they're elevated, they're on a platform mm. and then there's like a witness box we have to stand, climb into it. And yeah, so maybe I suppose that might be a good place out. So the, the scene setting, if you like. Let's, so there's four players, to call them that, in any case. So you're going to have the accused, the person who's being charged with an offence, and then you're going to have their, their lawyers. And so the lawyers, the prosecution barrister and solicitor, the accused barrister and solicitor, they're the second player, if you like, the legal professionals. Then you'll have a judge and you'll have a jury. So maybe to explain what each of them do. The accused just sets out their version of events, either directly if they give evidence, but they don't have to. Um, and oh, so they said, or, or through their lawyers, explain what happened or present a case through their lawyers. So the accused is, is fighting their corner, really. The lawyers then... Uh, <laughs> Take the, f- the They're facts. defending themselves though, right? So Yes, yes through, okay. through their lawyers. And so when, when I mean kind of through their lawyers, it's that their lawyers will cross-examine witnesses who are speaking against them. So okay. kind of they become the mouthpiece for their client's version and of And do events. they often advise their clients, you say nothing, just shut up now? <laughs> it, it depends. A good lawyer will never say yes or no, Stephanie. A good lawyer says it depends. And it depends on your client. You take a read of them yourself and you go, you're a lovely person, but a terrible communicator. Or I can see you're uncomfortable and nervous now and physically your body language is up. That's not going to read well before a jury. So you as a legal advisor would take a read of your client themselves in the relative comfort of a consultation but like it's like I'm on your side and if you're getting your back up here when I'm asking questions this is not going to play well in court. Are there juries in all courts? Good question. No. So we've divided our legal system. How many courts are there in Ireland? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there's um, so we've divided our legal system between the criminal and the civil side. Now that very simplistically means criminal law so criminal offences everything from no NCT to urinating in public up to murder and rape. Those are criminal offences they're heard in the criminal courts. Civil cases are Everything that's not crime, so family law, medical law, everything that's not crime is civil law. You get a jury on the, on the criminal side of the house. There are some situations in civil cases where you get a jury, so defamation is one example, mm-hmm. but it is the exception to the rule. 99% of jurors' involvement is going to be on the criminal side of the house in the criminal courts. So we have the four, well, there's the four primary courts, if you like, the District, Circuit, High Court and Supreme Court. On the criminal side, you've also a court of appeal, but you only get your jury. You don't get in the district court. So if you've been urinating in public, uh, you're that's going to be in the district jury. court. Yeah, yeah. No, jury doesn't care. Jury doesn't that's need that. just a judge who's like, yes or no. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And it's what the guards say. And you can defend yourself, but it's very much low key. Um, that's the district court. Circuit and criminal circuit and high court. And in the criminal side, the high court is called the central criminal court. It's just the high court, but it's the central. So the circuit and the central is where you have juries impaneled to tease out the facts of the case. And their task in that setting is to decide if you're guilty or not. So the judge doesn't really have that much of a role until and unless the person is convicted. And if they're acquitted, the judge was just a bystander. They're just waiting in the, in the sidelines. If the jury decide the facts as the guards presented them, we think are right, we agree, mm-hmm. um, then they're convicted 
uh, they found the person guilty and then the judge takes up the reins of okay now you were guilty and now I know now relative to yeah yes. I get to pick how bad it was is it at the lower end of the spectrum at the higher end of the spectrum I impose a sentence but they are waiting in the sidelines until and unless there's a conviction by the jury so in that case a jury is a really important like if the job of a barrister is to shape the narrative mm. or you know like mould public opinion yeah. the audience with which you do that is really important. Huge. Absolutely huge, yeah. So how does jury selection work? Mm, and this is what this is the bit that I, I was so interested in this episode because I like this bit and I know I, I find it interesting but <laughs> what a lawyer finds interesting isn't always what everyone finds interesting but I think this is interesting in a wider sense because... Am I speaking too fast? Sorry, oh, no, I'm excited okay. I speak fast. <laughs> people can always slow down the tempo of yeah, the podcast yeah, if yeah, they are. Yeah. Hello. So um, how many people <laughs> are called in and how do you choose mm, them? So when... So you... And again, Rich, you kind of have more of a probably experience on the practical side of it. We're going to go to him then and see what it was actually cool, like. Yeah, behind the curtain. Um, so there's just a... Pool, the electoral register, there's a... You're eligible based on that. And there's a, a tombola, I guess, somewhere in... Must be Department of Justice, would it be? Or court services? Some manifestation of the state. Uh selects an electoral register to send out summonses to all these people. So fire out a load of them. There's a huge, and I meant to look up the figures actually, um, a huge number of people who just don't turn up uh, who just go, no, do you know what? This is this is either, I, I would have loved to, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting, but it is a civic duty and there's no, I mean, you're going to be out of pocket. There's, you know, if you're paying for parking or bus for every day. Like, it's a big ask um, and there's no compensation for it. So a lot of people don't turn up, they don't want to do it. Or some is there them, a fine or fee? There is that? a fine under the Juries Act. I forget what the fine is. Oh, good well, man. 500, I think. Yeah. 500 if you just don't show up. Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. We can I, get to that. Okay, okay great. Because yeah, I don't know to what extent it's even pursued because there's a sense of it's a civic duty, leave it lie. But so every, all these summonses go out, people turn up on a nominated day and there's like a bullpen, what it used to be before COVID. You go in and then you're waiting to be called. So you wait in this room and then they call the people and you're brought into court and there's an explanation as to this is a case involving this person here. She was, uh, she's charged with assaulting that person on Camden Street on such and such a day and the jurors then are just called one by one. Now, this is what the bit that I find interesting. This is to pick the jury. So before the cases even got into whether she was on Camden Street, blah, blah, blah. Before that, just who's going to be on the jury? And they, there's a right of challenge. So each party, prosecution or defence, can challenge seven people without cause. That's just, I don't like the cut of your jib. Off you go. If you have cause such that, oh, you live on Camden Street or you were there on the night, then that's cause, you're gone. Or and they how would object. they know that? Is that up to the juror, the juror to say, yeah. I was actually there? Yeah, the juror goes, actually, do you know, give the, the charge sheet has got the vague details of the case and you go, oh, actually, no. Or, so again, I don't know to what extent jurors themselves might nominate it or not, but there's an obligation to, to highlight a conflict or something like that. But more generally, it would be just, I work in a post office and this is a robbery of a post office or something like that. So the, the highlight the clash that's there. The only thing that's read out is the person's name. So that's, right. and you can say, well, I live in Clodoken or wherever you live. But the, the challenge is the right to challenge seven people on each side off the bat. And that comes down to, I was thinking actually, so there was a, uh, or I'll give you, sorry, rather than my own, I'll give you an example. So if you had a sexual assault case, a rape case, we'll say, and you have a young, relatively young couple. Uh, we'll say she's 19. He's, we'll say he's 30. It's a bit of an age gap, but still 30 and, and 19. Had previously had a consensual relationship and maybe they have a kid. So there's proof of consensual sex there in the past. And then the story is that this friend goes that uh, 
they haven't been together for two years. St- interactions with the kid and all the rest of it. So they've somewhat cordial, ongoing relationship. Then Christmas comes round. They're all a bit drunk and they have intercourse and she then alleges it was non-consensual. So that's the, the facts scenario. That's the case that's before the jury. In that setting, if you're there for the prosecution, you're looking at the guys coming up one after the other and you're thinking, well, I ch- who, who am I seven going to challenge? You want to pick, you look at the facts of it and you want to pick somebody who, if he's a bit older and she's a bit younger, you go, I want someone who could be a dad. I want somebody who would look at that and go, that could be my daughter. And this guy's okay. a bit older and there's a vulnerability or whatever it is that's there. Or I think I have... So you're looking for someone who's sympathetic to your client. That's it. And it speaks to bias and prejudice and unconscious bias. So that's the thing I find fascinating. We are taking a really superficial read of somebody in that split moment. And it goes back to like you were saying, are they wearing a t-shirt that suggests or belies an opinion or a point of view? So if I'm for the prosecution, I want middle-aged guys who that could be his daughter. And they'd be like... Would you, would you want that rather than 19-year-old girls? Well, this is it. And that's the... Or 19-year-old boys. The night... The, the defense... Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, so the 19-year-old girl, who is that Who is that, who girl? Is that girl? Whereas on the defense side, I want guys in their 20s and early 30s who have been there, who've gotten drunk and texted an ex and could open that door. And suddenly this idea of maybe I didn't have consent. Maybe... Maybe... God, was it? So I want the guy who... That could have been him. It could have easily so happened. So he'd be sympathetic towards him. Yeah. So I just find that so interesting because it's about us prejudging people's perceptions and views and things. So that's the bit, and I don't know. Sorry. So Richie, what was it like? We'll switch to you then. So I don't know how much you're allowed to tell us about the case, the vague details, but what was it like when you got called? Well, the first thing is that you get this summons in the post. Yeah. Um, this this uh, document comes in the post. And how and how... How much lead in is it like you need to come tomorrow? No, no, it's about six weeks, I think, for four, six weeks, something like that. It wasn't the first one I got. I had got one previously, a number of years previously when I was... That's mad, isn't it? That some people never Mm. get called and other people are like, I've been called four or five times. Yeah, and I actually excused myself the first time. Uh, I was was doing a lot of travel for work, international travel and that. And it just, I I couldn't at the time Mm. do it. And uh, I had to go through the the rigmarole of getting um, an exemption kind of letter from my boss saying, yes, it's not a a flimsy excuse, it's a real Mm. excuse, you you can't go. Um, um, So I I did at the time, I remember reading all the lists of people who could be exempt. And so you've listed the the people who are... uh, are exempt and there's another list of people who can be exempt yeah. I think it's called so like uh, nurses and, mm. and doctors and teachers are on that list airline pilots as far <laughs> as I remember and captains of vessels which I presume is some kind of leftover from yeah. uh, when, uh, whenever the legal system was set up um, but I actually I took early retirement and then a couple of months later this summons came in my box so I said oh well why not something to do something mm. to do um, so I, I got this so I, I, you kind of get this slip that you send back saying yes I'll be there um, so I arrived down at the uh, Central Criminal Court Did you consider that morning like what will I wear did you want I, to be I chosen I, 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 I wouldn't have minded being chosen Yeah um, uh, so I did consider what, and I actually looked up on, you know, did all the usual Googling as, you know, what do you <laughs> yeah. do? And, uh, so apparently there are th- some things you can do to not be chosen. Uh, as you say, wear decla- de- declaratory T-shirts, uh, which would give you uh, a clue to your kind of leanings and so on. Or uh, dress scruffily uh, if you want to be objected to by the prosecution. Or someone told me if you dressed in a suit and carried a notebook, that the defence might not be particularly interested <laughs> yeah. in you in that case. So I didn't want to fall into it. So I, 
I dress scruffily anyway, but that's just natural attire. You don't, can I just say for the listeners, <laughs> he's sitting in a, in a knitted jumper with a little quite red collared shirt, quite sharp looking. Okay, okay. So I, I dressed somewhat like this. So uh, I went down to the criminal court and you go in and it's, um, it's a bit like an airport uh, security queues. Right, okay. And uh, being the central criminal court, there was obviously, there was some big trial on. So there were a lot of visitors uh, coming. But because you had this yellow uh, kind of docket saying you're a juror you go through another side you get uh, a quicker uh, a fast track I guess <laughs> and, and then you're brought down into the into this holding area as you described um, and you go into this room and I, I'm not sure how many people how many seats there are but there's about 500 seats so I think it's a, you know roughly speaking about 500 at a time are meant to be in so there were 500 people called f- for the oh, week wow. that I was there I think and you only get like to that. not pick seven of them Seven each. Seven for each jury. So yeah, this okay. would be for multiple, for whatever trials are going on that day. Okay, so it wasn't 500 for this oh, one yeah. trial. Yeah. No. yeah. So, okay. so the room is for 500. I'm reckoning about maybe 200 people, maybe Shut less up. in the room. And that's yeah. for every courthouse in the building that's on that day. Right. So yeah. it's sort of the central pool and you're sent up. So, um, so you're, sitting there, you're sitting there for a while, nothing happening, nothing happening, nothing happening. And then the, the person... I don't know what their title is, but the, the person who seems to be in charge administratively kind of gets into the front of the room <clears throat> and they kind of explain to you what, what's going to go on and they start calling out your number because you're gi- on your uh, slip, you're giving a number. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured I was 100 and something. And uh, so they call your number and if you're there, you, you say, unsure, <laughs> and, um, and they have your name as being there. So they, they didn't call out all 500 numbers. So they went, you know, one, five, six, seven, eight, twelve. So obviously people who had been Was excused, there a tombola? Because we're not allowed to see this bit. I'm curious. No, is there like no, a... No, not then. Okay. There is a tombola coming up. Edge my seat. Not then. Uh, so so they're, they're really checking who's in the room of the, the 500. So some people had obviously excused themselves in advance. So they were the missing numbers, as it were. Yes, and others just didn't show up. And then loads of others who were called out and she'd wait and... Nothing. So they just didn't show up at all. So they're the people that, you know, potentially liable to fines. Yes. Uh, although, I, as I understand it, that doesn't happen, but I'm, yeah. I, I don't know for sure. So um, having all that, so you establish that you're there, basically. And uh, th- then what happens is there is a judge who does the, uh, I suppose, assessment of how long the trial is going to take. Okay. So she will, I presume, talk to the, the barristers involved. Uh, and hear about the background to the case or so on. And, and sorry, just to come, just mm-hmm. so, because I'll forget, how do you decide how long a case is going to take? Yeah, that's always, how long is a piece of string? Like you have a vague sense just on number of witnesses. Right. So from, you know, the different based on the statements or based on the eyewitnesses or whatever, you kind of know from the book of evidence, there is 27 witnesses, even if we take, and one of them is a forensic witness. So That'll they're going to, yeah, yeah, or even longer. So you, you can do a rough kind of rule of thumb. And so it's still kind of a ballpark and you're there on the side of caution, going to have this longer and if we don't use the days. But again, that that's just the the running order of the evidence. You also have, we might need sidebar applications to tease out some admissibility of evidence rules that might take two or three days just arguing the law with the absence of the jury. So you'd always build in longer. But it, um, yeah, it, it usually comes down to how many witnesses there are and how detailed their statements and they're going to be cross-examined on those. So it's not an exact science, but you have to kind of take a, 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 a right. guess. So, so the, this judge appears on, on a television screen at the top of the room and says, there's a case coming up. Uh, I think it's going to take three days. Um, so this is the, the case that we're going to be selecting juries for for the next 
uh, for the next round, next batch. And does he give you any indication about what it's about at that point? Uh, yes, I think so. I think right. they, they 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 say that it's a an assault case or a drugs case or whatever. Yeah. Um, so um, the judge comes on and says that. Then the screen goes blank. Nothing happens again, and uh, you're sitting there waiting. And uh, it's like X Factor. <laughs> it is. It is a bit like X Factor. <laughs> yeah. right With your numbers in the queue yeah, and the. <laughs> and I'm practicing my song. No, uh, <laughs> waiting to go. Uh, uh, the judge then comes on, and you you kind of see the, the courthouse. And or the the courtroom, uh, and was it like suits? Uh, no, <laughs> exactly like suits. <laughs> what was it like? Um, well, this is this is the uh, I I don't think it's the actual uh, courtroom that the uh, case is going to be in. It's the courtroom for the uh, assessment, but they, they all okay. look pretty mm. much the same. So it's a lot of oak, uh, mm. a lot of leather, stroke leatherette, <laughs> uh, dark green, uh, and uh, a judge wearing all the regalia. So that's that's the probably what you see. Except for the tombola. <laughs> uh, there's actually... Um, Will a, you explain what a tombola is for so people So a tombola is, is, a, um, is a, a device used for picking numbers at random. A bingo, bingo machine. Yeah, yeah. A, big, <laughs> a bingo machine. So um, this one was actually like a a bird's cage, a kind yeah. of a round bird's cage turned on its side but a handle on the side. Oh, no, nice. I'm not kidding. No expense spared at court uh, services. So yeah. what you're you're sitting in this bingo hall type <laughs> arena watching someone pick bingo numbers out of a hat. So literally the 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 clerk or the court or whoever it is does a Marty Whelan. And he pulls out a number and if it's your number you go up and you stand at the side and when I think it's about 20 okay. they take that 20 away for that case. So in the first case, it was a, I think it was a drugs case. In my, so I wasn't one of the 20, which is normally what happens to me with uh, bingos and draws. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't one of the 20. So I knew I wasn't getting that case. But you you then see the, that the screen says on, you see that jury getting empaneled, I think that's mm. the, the term it's called. So whether they're going to be ejected or not. And we had one, ca- uh, one person on that uh, 20 who went up to the judge and whispered in their ear. And, and I guess it was, you know, I know the defendant, yeah. or I live in the area, or something like that, and they they were put put back, and they came back into the the pool with us. Okay. So the people who weren't selected on that first twelve came back into the pool with us. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that case, you know, went off. Uh, and, and when they were saying yes or no, was it like I don't like his t-shirt, or is it just like no, just no, nope. I don't, just like, I don't, not like, him, I don't like him. Okay. Um. So in that first case, my I, confidence I, would be really shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, what is it about me? You don't like? Um. So, uh, so we, 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 the screaming off again. The judge popped up again about five minutes later. Same judge, case. different judge. Sa- same judge. Right. This is the assessing judge. I think that's what they do for the di- for the morning. Okay. Is assess. So next judge, our next case, which was a, a, a domestic assault case, um, assault with intent to cause harm. It's going to be three days. I assess it's going to be three days. Tombola goes again. And my number came out, uh, which was a big shock to me because I never win anything. Um, <laughs> so I went up, stood to the side, and what happens then is you're you're literally taken as a group. Follow this, follow this guy who becomes your minder for the week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you follow that guy and you go through the bells of the courtroom and you pop up uh, in the courthouse where the or in the courtroom where the trial is going to take place, and you go through the same process that all the other people had gone to. So in there, he called your number and then the guys look you up and down. Yeah, it's it's, it's not as dramatic as that. I think mm. they eyeball you as you walk into the, the place, mm, to okay. be quite honest, uh, because they just said, go and sit down. And uh, they uh, they didn't object to anybody, I, d- I don't think, on ours. To be honest, in the case that I was in, I think they were looking for gender balance, mm. 
probably broadly speaking, age balance, probably some kind of socioeconomic uh, mm. kind of balance. Um, and it wasn't a very, you know, rigorous. I think we had one person who who wanted out, uh, but I don't think they actually objected to anybody okay. in the mm. trial that I was in. But I had seen them doing it on mm. the on the previous. Because that's kind one. of the thing. It's the facts of a given case. If it's a fairly run of the mill issue, grand. But it's where you've either may have weaknesses in your case or not a huge amount of evidence, and it's going to come down to credibility. Right. That's okay. when you need to stack the deck more than if it's just the facts and there's yeah. not a huge amount going to turn on this one way or the other. But you're right about them watching you coming in that there's because I was chatting to a colleague who does a lot of the kind of criminal prosecution side and uh, and for him he said because I was asking him in the context of the COVID restrictions now where jury trials are running but they're all spaced out so the jury would have been in the jury box and you're in the course you can do a side eye and see you know, how is this landing are they, are they buying what I'm selling now it's all spaced out so the six are in the jury box but six are in the body of the court so it's it, and the court is but basically we used to have maybe 100 people in one of the larger courts up to you could have up to 100 now the largest one I think is 33 so it's completely a different atmosphere and I was saying to him like how do you how do you do side eye to the jury behind you and like how does that work does it change your rhythm and your game and he was saying in fairness he found it works fairly well it's all right but that is the task we're constantly reading body language mm-hmm. and seeing how is this landing are they buying what I'm selling and I was so fascinated and does that change if you're like they're not buying this I need to mm. like mix up my game yeah absolutely or or you kind of go, I need to pull, this isn't, this is, their, maybe I'm, their perception of me is now changing. So I need to go easy a little bit here and that, so that doesn't fester and turn into something. Because it, remember at the start of my practice, my father-in-law had just been on a jury and I was starting out in crime and I said to him, criminal defence, <laughs> and I said to him like, tell me like what, behind the curtain, we're not, we don't see this, we're not allowed to know this, we're not allowed to talk to juries, any of that. In fact, it's an offence to, arguably an offence under the 76 Act to talk to a jury even after the fact. So we don't know so what are you committing an offence here? <laughs> <Talk> <laughs> I hope not. Um, what's your liability in the podcast studio? Another win for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so we don't know what goes on on their side of the table. Same way as they don't know our side of the table necessarily. But, so I said to Dermot, I was like, what? Like, tell me now, what, how did you, it was finished and over. I said, what was your read of, of how they, how the barristers were doing? So I wanted to, to learn as a learning tool, what worked, what didn't work. And he said, and I won't name the prosecuting barrister, but he said, your man, it was a sexual assault, young enough girl. And he said, the, the barrister was so aggressive and just belligerent. And that's a style. Like we have mm-hmm. a communicating style and people communicate differently, but certain criminal barristers just have a, like they're like a, dog with a bone or others uh, sometimes DPP might brief a woman in a sexual assault because the optics of a woman cross-examining a woman are easier to to sit mm-hmm. with than a man an older man cross-examining this young girl what did you what were you wearing you know this yeah. the optics of it and that's what we have to advise on which isn't law which isn't facts isn't evidence it's just how this plays out and it's fascinating because I used to so in another life I used to teach in Blackhall Place so when the law changed a few years ago that solicitors were now able to be advocate, be mm. advocates, so they you didn't have to have a barrister. All of a sudden, um, advocacy skills became uh, one of the courses for the LL2s okay. in Blackhall Place, yeah. and I had to go in and teach advocacy to people. Um, and it was funny how the solicitors were like, "I became a solicitor because I did not yeah. want to be yeah. a barrister, and I became I a barrister because I don't want to do handholding. I don't. Yeah. Clients, I want no. to get up and perform and convince. Mm. And you're trying to teach solicitors yeah. who don't want to do that yeah. how to do it for their oh, clients. It's a now. total different thing. Like I love 
the advocacy. I love the crafting, the story and all the rest of it, the how to pitch it and how to get a read of the room. Like that's what, that's my job. If I had to sit and do this listeners piece, which is a much more client focused handholding I, I just, I, it's not, it's not, it doesn't sit well with me and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it. So yeah, it, I thought that was a, I don't know. I mean, look, at there's reasons why it's good and all the rest of it, but we are fundamentally cut from different cloth, I think. And so does, in that, is there a solicitor and a barrister present in court? Mm. The solicitor, now, if you, <laughs> if you ask the solicitor what they do, they'd always say they do the actual work and the barrister comes in and takes all the glory at the end of it. And there's a grain of truth in that and that they do all the the heavy lifting, the paperwork, the compile. They do the background, back of house stuff. The barrister, our skills and even our training, our full year training in the King's Inns is in advocacy. How mm-hmm. to talk, how to craft, how to, you know, all cross-examination, the tricks and tips. So, yeah, so we put together what they've prepared and pick out the bits that we want and we don't want. So, but in the trial, then the solicitor will sit um, and be largely silent throughout the trial. They're there to assist us. So I'll be talking about something and then I'll say, actually, can you get me that document? So they're, they're kind of an assistant and it's why maybe there's a, a bit of disgruntledness in that. They do all the work and yet we're the one, they become our secondary assistant. So it can be a funny yeah. dynamic sometimes at play. I, but I thought it was interesting, actually, the one thing that was a little bit like uh, Suits or uh, BBC <laughs> dramas was a couple of occasions in ours, the solicitor yeah. tapped the barrister and kind of passed them something. So obviously something had come up in mm. evidence that either contradicted what they thought they knew yes. or knew and they brought it to the barrister's attention. Mm. So there was that little bit of there were the assistant but there were also yeah, you know, yeah, a little bit work. of prompting uh, mm. going on. So I thought that And was, in that case then does the do you, like does the barrister have to like act on the hop or can they be like judge I need a second to read this and can we stop for a minute? It can be both and I find it interesting going back to what the jury are reading. So I may have been passed a note to my solicitor so someone would have said something my solicitor will go that's contradicted by the email from the 6th of July. So then I'll be like um, so I'll kind of usually little bits of paper and you'll have spread it I'll come back to that so I kind of you might lay it out and come back to it but if it's something significant and this has happened before where I as much as um, the solicitor the other barrister was talking and I the witness said something and just in my head I was like no that's, he was quoting a, a previous issue and I was like that's not what was said. So I went back to my notes and I said, no, no, he's misquoted the evidence. Now it was just, he wasn't being, I think he just had misremembered. But I was, so I kind of like, uh, <laughs> I tugged on the gown of my senior counsel and I said, that's incorrect. We don't want to go down that route because the jury will maybe take the most recent version. So I yeah. tugged on the gown and I said, that that's not my note of it. So in that instance, the senior said, judge, my junior has, uh, uh, thinks that, that that is, uh, maybe there's a there's an in- inaccuracy here. So we paused the trial. We went back and listen to the recording because they're mm-hmm. all digitally recorded listen to the recording and it was in fact your man had misremembered but that was important to stop and down tools so we haven't the jury hasn't got the wrong end and run with the kind of incorrect yeah. and so I just explain that maybe seniors and ju- juniors every barrister who starts is a junior counsel um, there were just your first entry point into the law library into the bar as a junior counsel you can if you is want Is that when you're devilling? Or is that? Yeah, well, no, everybody just starts. So the, okay. the like the the first version of yourself is a junior counsel. And yeah, you devil, which is a, a, an apprenticeship, really. You're deviling year for either one or two years, but you're deviling year and you, you devil with a master. It's all about Fifty Shades. Yeah. But uh, they're just somebody you, you learn from their practice, basically. You don't, you've no cases on day one, so you learn and tease out your, your skills. You hone your skills on somebody else's practice. So that's your, your deviling year. But you would say you are, and then you're out on your own. We're all self-employed. So you're out on your own once you've done your apprenticeship year. So you're a junior counsel. As you go on in practice, you can decide to specialise in an area. And 
if you want to do that, you, you take silk or you become a silk or a senior counsel. And silk is because they're gowns. I'm a junior counsel. My gown is made out of wool. Uh, senior counsel's gowns are made out of silk. So that's where the phrase kind of comes from. But you take silk, meaning you specialise in one particular area. And then that becomes, you are the, say, the, the expert in, in that area. So in any case, you'll have a junior and a senior counsel. The junior is the, the they're really the assistant. We do the kind of the legwork at the trial and writing the notes and all this kind of stuff. And the senior will, will usually lead the cross-examination of it. If you don't have a senior in a case, it'll just be a junior and they're running the whole thing. But it's, yeah, it's sort of a, like um, a, sen- a more senior established person and then yourselves then as their hapless assistant. <laughs> and so when you were in watching the trial, were there styles of, bar- like, were there advocacy styles that you were sort of like identifying? Like, do, are you taking notes? Are you sitting listening? Does it get boring? What's the actual experience like? All of the above, I would say, <laughs> definitely for sure. Um, th- there were advocacy styles. Uh, they were certainly less dramatic than TV. <laughs> um, there, uh, one of the barristers was uh, possibly being paid by the word. Um, <laughs> the other guy was probably a bit more incisive. I, I would have said. Um, and we also had a, a, a situation where there was another court case involving the same parties going on oh wow okay. so there was a lot of there were times when uh, there's areas that they couldn't go into for fear of, of messing with the other, right. other case okay. and there were a number of times where we were told to leave the room while they argued the legal point as to whether something was in or out so that actually added to the boredom so every time one of those situations come up our so you'd have to leave in order not to be biased by yes, hearing about the other by trial by hearing about the other trial so when that happened then literally our minder came back into the room said follow me we had to follow him back to the room that we had been allocated for jury purposes, wait there, maybe discuss a little bit about what had happened in the intervening period, but quite sometimes. And is there a head, is like, has, is one of you designated as like you're the lead? You have to appoint a foreman from among okay. the 12. Um, and How did you decide that? Uh, well, for a start, I'd say at least six of us ducked as we weren't <laughs> going to be the foreman. There, there were probably come down to about two people who Wanted to. wanted to do it and a couple of other would do it if nobody else was going to do it. So we just picked one of the two guys and it was it was quite quick and quite easy. And does and, and was one of the guys, does he say then like, OK, so what are you thinking based on what we've just yeah. heard? Right, yeah, okay. uh, he, and he tries to, uh, I suppose, drive the process a little bit, although it's, it's quite free form. Um, mm. Anyone can speak at any time. Uh, on on. Do you whatever. get breaks to discuss, or are you just trying yeah. to find these snatch moments? No, no, you get breaks to discuss. You, you, you're basically sent back to the room to deliberate, or you use the time. In in our case, we use the time that was being used in court to discuss the other legal points to talk about the last session and what had happened, and do we believe so and so? You know, because the facts in our case were pretty straightforward. There was no denying the facts. So um, basically, it was a domestic dispute between husband and wife. The case was whether it was with intent to injure okay. and, you know, whether it was deliberate and th- um, she didn't take the stand. He took the stand. So he said she meant to hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how it happened. And okay. we found her not guilty. Oh, wow. Okay. And so did, th- was it sort of like, did you notice straight off the bat, everyone was kind of like, she's not guilty? No. Or it took a while? Wow. No, I thought I was going to be the Jimmy Stewart in the room uh, trying to... Uh, get the other 11 angry men to agree <laughs> with me because it it came down to, you know, as I said, the facts were the facts. Yeah. Um, it came down to who you, who you believed. And in our case, we were hearing one side. Yeah. Essentially. 
and it, it transpired when we all articulated it, <laughs> nobody believed it. Mm. Okay. Um, but I, I did think, you know, after a, a, a couple of times when the accuser took the stand and he spent most of the time on the stand, I didn't believe a word of this. And, you know, they, they, they started drawing out schemas and maps of the room and where they were supposed to be sitting at the time and so on and so forth. And it just became incredible to me that this is exactly what happened. And um, I, I really did think I was going to have to convince some other people because... But you didn't. Everyone was on the same page. Well, not not everybody, but I, th I think actually nine of the, the 12, okay. said, you know, when they went round, the, we didn't actually get to saying guilty or not guilty. What do you think? Guilty or not guilty until the end. We were asked to deliberate our, our vote. All the other discussions were about specifics of what had happened on mm -hmm. the previous session. Uh, so there was a session with the, gar the guards who took the statement and so on, and they gave their version and... Uh, the timings and so on. We had to talk through how the timing of events and all that. And um, uh, as I say, I thought, because not everybody of the 12 seemed as fully engaged. Mm -hmm. As in and they weren't listening or they didn't care? You know, a cu couple of ones that were on the jury with me were more concerned with getting the uh, the letter from the, uh, the criminal court service saying, yes, they're on a jury so they could hand it to their employer. Okay. Um, but... Uh, as it transpired, enough of the majority felt that way and the waverers didn't really want to cause a wave one way or the other and it came as a unanimous verdict. We had to be unanimous. The foreman then says, we find this person guilty. But, 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 did you know what the sentence was going to be or what the char what was going to happen to this person if they were found guilty at the time? Or does that happen no. after? No. no. Okay. No, and that's wasn't. a really interesting piece of it as well, I think, that... I, I, again, I have no idea. We're on the other side of the table, but I feel, and I'm intrigued by how much is going on in the jurors' heads. Like, are they thinking, and I, I have seen situations where you can almost see the people going, oh, I'm on the fence here, but what are the f consequences? It's a young guy. He's going to be on the sex offenders register if it was just a mistake. Like, you can see people almost like playing it out and you want to kind of say, that's not your job. Your job yeah. is a fact. And, and, and look, it's, it's hard to ever step away from the facts because you're thinking what happens next. But yeah, the jury's task is just, is this person guilty or not? Yes or no? But it does, I think, <clears> bleed into the other bits. Um, I was really interested in what you said there, Richie, that how, as I said, that the... the so much is dictated by just getting a read of the person. And I certainly have found that. And I think it's why even I think in, in, in selecting, I think more on the state side, the DPP selecting who they want to front this case, the face of this prosecution case and the optics of it and the different styles of advocacy. You might have a woman, but then actually she's like a bulldog and she's almost more aggressive. And that can play a certain way. Or then you have a very softly spoken, but, you know, death by a thousand cuts kind of a thing rather than the sledgehammer approach. There's so many different variants on it. But my, remember my father-in-law was saying at the start, I just started practice and I said, tell me your side, what did you think so I can adapt that into my practice? And he said, he just took a read, the, the prosecution barrister, his his almost his physicality was standing in a certain way and he was turning his back to the cues. Like it was so he said it was so dismissive, so condescending, so just arrogant. And 
he said, just, I just didn't like it. Didn't sit well with me. And he said, every one of them in the jury box, in, in, when they came back afterwards, were like, that guy is just a bit of a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, that became the story. And so if they didn't like him, they didn't like what he was selling. And I think that's what I think is interesting. That's we important have to be, for barristers to know. Oh, like, yeah. have to be self-aware because we go in going, we're amazing. And there's nobody, we're all self-employed. There's no one to go, actually, you're not. not. And even if you lose, you go, oh, well, just a bad a witness. Bad. Witness witness went against me or this kind of stuff. And did you, just to finish up, did you... Do you get a some sort of break from the tombola now, where you don't have to get plucked out? Or? Yeah, I think I think it's three years, but I, I couldn't, mm. I could be wrong. I think it's I think it's three years. You're not, you don't get called again. Mm. And did the trial go on for three days, yeah. or did it go on longer? Went on for exactly three days. A, a lot of it uh, could have been done quicker. I mean, we, we the court didn't start till ten, half ten in the morning. Finished the last day. Finished at two or half two in the <laughs> afternoon. Um, and, and brought us back for, for 10 minutes in the right, afternoon okay. and then back. Wheels of justice but, run slowly, Richie. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there was a lot of time uh, could have been, uh, having come from the business environment, it was very, <laughs> very frustrating to be saying so much time, kind of dead time. And then uh, you're just released after you've, you've the, given your verdict. The judge thanks you, you leave and uh, you chat to the people you've been in the room with for three days on the steps of the court and you all go your separate mm. ways. Do you think that you'd recognise either the accused or the defence? Like, do you think you'd recognise those people now or that they'd recognise you if you were like walking around town someday? Because that's surely a consideration. Yeah, I, I would recognise the uh, the uh, plaintiff for mm. want of a better way of, of putting it the, the, the guy who was attacked because he, he spent a lot of time in the witness box I'd probably recognise a few of my fellow jurors but right, okay. honestly even after three years I'm not sure I'd, I would recognise mm. more than three or four of them um, in the box but that's why I think we that's why I like the wig and the gown and the garb and I know it's ridiculous and all the rest of it but I genuinely had an experience whereby I represented this guy Number load of stuff. He's a repeat customer. Load of stuff. And then on Christmas Eve, I was walking down Grafton Street. Like these are my low glasses. Like I was walking down Grafton Street, different pair of glasses, though obviously not the wig and whatever. And I saw him and I was like, oh, Christmas Eve. I was like, oh, so-and-so, how are you? Merry Christmas. And I was going to continue on my way. I didn't want to have a chat, but I was like, blank face. And I was like, dude, I have literally Saved been you representing life. you for the last year. Um, in fairness, no, that's, it was only, I think, two matters. But we had a couple of things coming on stream. And he just didn't recognise it. And so that when I started, we would have been wearing the wigs and again. Now there's less of an appetite to wear them. They're not formally required. But I liked, that was my armour. I said, like, these are my low glasses. I have different glasses. I have different tracksuit whatever like there's just a different person so I like the sense that people wouldn't recognise you it lets me be Sarah Reed BL and then be Sarah Joe Soap just on Grafton Street on Christmas Eve which I think is important I, mm. I did see um, yeah. on the week of the trial I was travelling on the dart and the barrister for uh, the defence was in the on the dark carriage with his documents out in front of him doing something and one of the other uh, jurors in the trial said she had travelled by bus and the defendant was on the bus with her Ireland's too small Ireland is too small guys thank you very much Um, I really appreciate that I found that fascinating I hope that I will be called someday (laughs) and I can do my civic duty best of luck with the tumble as well thank you so much Marty Whelan has has, has his eye out for me Um, thank you both so much thank you for listening to this week's episode of Basically I found it absolutely fascinating. Really hope I get called for jury duty sometime. Uh, our graphic design is by Kahal O'Gara. Our music is by Only Ruin. And we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Before I go, and you're still listening, I really appreciate it. Please become a Headstuff Podcast member. This 
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 